It's a damn tough life full of toil and strife we weathermen undergo. And we don't give a damn when the gale is done, how hard the winds did blow. Cause we're homeward bound from the Arctic ground with a good ship taut and free. And we won't give a damn when we drink our rum with the girls of old Maui. Rolling down to old Maui, me boys, rolling down to old Maui. We're homeward bound from the Arctic ground, rolling down to old Maui. Welcome to Higgledy Piggledy Whale Statements. I'm Mark. And I'm Ben. And uh, today we are going to talk uh, entirely about pictures of whales. It's very important. It's an important topic. We need to talk about these pictures of whales and how almost all of them are wrong and some of them are transcendental. Yes. Yeah. Uh, We had originally planned to do a slightly longer selection of chapters, but um, uh, this, (laughs) basically the notes for this one just ballooned. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair thing to say. We're going to have a we're going to have a lot of fun looking at pictures of whales as well as reading about them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to, I intend to uh, put as many pictures of whales as I can reasonably put uh, in the, like, blog post for this episode. So if you are, like, listening to this in a podcatcher that you just get through, like, an RSS feed, I highly recommend you actually go to the Abnormal Mapping website, abnormalmapping.com slash whale. Uh, and, and look at all these pictures that I've, I've gone to so much effort to find for you. Um. <laughs> you don't need to guilt the listeners. I'm sure they'll do it on their own free will because you put so much effort into it and, you know, it would be so kind of them to do so. Well, also, you should look at these pictures of whales because they're cool. They are cool. Or at I, least I assume they are. I've actually seen very few of these. That, that's true. That's the other cute thing we're going to do on this episode. Ben is going to live react to pictures of whales. Uh, and... Uh, decide whether Ishmael was fairly describing them. Yeah. Uh, so so this means uh, today we are doing uh, chapters 55, 56, and 57. Uh, which are of the monstrous pictures of whales, of the less erroneous pictures of whales and the true pictures of whaling scenes, and of whales in paint, in teeth, in wood, in sheet iron, in stone, in mountains, in stars. Yeah. Uh, I love that chapter title so much. It's a very good chapter title. Uh, we're not there yet. Let's no. start with the monstrous pictures of whales. Ah, uh, yes. The uh, huge and terrible and specifically bad pictures of whales. Yes. Ah, um, <sighs> God. Ishmael starts it off with, it may be worthwhile, therefore, previously to advert to these, those curious imaginary portraits of him, which even down to the present day, confidently challenge the faith of the landsman. It is time to set the world right in this manner, by proving such pictures of the whale all wrong. Yeah, his, his, the claim he is staking out at the beginning of chapter 55 is basically like, all right, I'm going to try to depict whales in this novel. And in order to do that, I'm first going to have to tell you that every single picture of a whale you've ever seen in your life before now was bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, going back into antiquity, talking about, like, the uh, the origin of whale images. Yes. Um, yeah, so uh, he, he starts out uh, talking about, like, ancient Indian, Egyptian, and Greek sculptures. Um, 
and like uh, you know embossings are artifacts basically antique yes. artifacts uh, and um, how they uh, quote in those the dolphin was drawn in scales of chain armor like Saladin's and a helmeted head like St. George's ever since then has something of the same sort of license prevailed not only in most popular pictures of the whale but in many scientific presentations of him yeah um, incidentally, uh, at several times in this chapter, uh, Ishmael basically claims for depictions of whales, uh, things that I would call depictions of either dolphins or just, like, fantastical sea monsters. Um, in fact, his first, his first example is something that I don't think anybody who was making art of this really intended to be a whale. Um, uh, because his first example is, uh, one of the avatars of vishnu uh matsya which is vishnu in the form of a giant fish a giant fish yeah yeah um and so you know as he normally does ishmael is basically saying any any historical reference to a giant fish has to be a whale probably a sperm whale um and and therefore the uh, the depictions of the avatar are incorrect because they depict a giant fish. <laughs> yes, um, although uh, it is of some interest to note that Ishmael is totally wrong in citing. He, he's trying to get like the earliest possible depiction of a whale in history, uh, and he does have like a, a bit of a citation here in that he's talking about. Um, he says he's talking about a depiction to be found in the famous cavern pagoda of Elephanta, which is a real place, a real, like, set of caverns. Um, but the the depiction, I, I think, what I seem to find in my research is that there isn't actually a depiction of Matsya there, um, or at least it doesn't really seem like that. Basically, Melville had a specific book called Indian Antiquities, <laughs> in which there is an engraving of Matsya, but it's not from the... Uh, Cavern at Elephanta. It's not from that, but the book basically goes from talking about the caverns to talking about Matsya. Oh, so it's not even that the book was wrong, it's just that it juxtaposed things in a way that misled Melville. Exactly. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, this is something that comes up throughout. So I, I found a very helpful book uh, from 1986 called Herman Melville's Picture Gallery, um, in which somebody went through and like researched all of the images that are referred to in, in these chapters and not only like researched what the actual images are, but also figured out, okay, where would Melville have seen this? Um, uh, so do you want to check out the engraving of Sure. I, I love a good avatar. Yeah. All right, here you go. Huh? That's, that style is definitely not what would be on a, you know, uh, I mean, first of all, would not be on an Indian, like, temple yeah, so of this the period. Is, That's... This is clearly, like, a, uh, a European engraving meant to indicate what this figure looks like. This is not, like, a reproduction of Indian art. I think the wildest thing to me is that the way they depict the, like, multi-armed divinity is uh, that the arm splits in two at the elbow to have two forearms, but only one upper arm. Yeah, That's, that is true. That's this how it is, looks. This is such a weird, weird picture to me. Like, it's uncanny. Uh, it, it really is, like, because you've seen pictures of... Like, actual, yeah, like uh, you, you, Hindu engravings, yeah. Exactly. And so this is, like, that translated through... Let's Word see. of mouth to... Yeah, what does this date to... 
Uh, this was published sometime between 1790 and 1800. Uh, so, early modern Europeans, like, what it reminds me of so, more than anything else is, in fact, a different Leviathan, which is the, the famous cover of Hobbes's Leviathan. Yeah! No, it uh, does look like that has, a lot. Like, it's got the same kind of engraving, um, it's the same, you know, style, and uh, also it's just... If you told me this was from, like, A Week of Kindness, I would 100% believe you. <laughs> Yeah, although, you know, I God, it's actually very interesting that Ishmael doesn't mention Hobbes' Leviathan at all. He quotes it in, like, I think the, the opening of the text. I think maybe he just hadn't seen the famous cover. Yeah. Or he just didn't think that was a whale, because it's a giant person made out of people. Uh, yeah, I... Good question. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so this is... We've, this uh, is the picture in Indian Antiquities. Which is a book we know Melville read. Yes, uh, by Thomas Maurice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, next up from that, uh, he talks a bit about how uh, this, I will admit, that particular engraving does do a very bad job of a fishtail. It does, in fact, like Ishmael says, look like just a snake covered in fish scales that just sort of ends. But that's not an Indian carving. It's a European engraving so what he says you know uh now go to the old galleries and look now at a great christian painter's portrait of this fish for he succeeds no better than the antediluvian hindu and it's like i mean yeah because you've only seen one of those yeah you know I mean, no, no comment on the the actual fish depicting skills of ancient indian carvers we have not seen one today yeah and you know uh let, let us be at least a little kind to both Melville and Ishmael. They probably did not have access to like yeah, yeah. faithful reproductions. That, that's uh, that's of, perfectly uh, reasonable. Depictions of avatars. Um, I think you know it, the the book Indian Antiquities was probably the best they had. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just think that his like his argument is that there has never been a change in how whales are depicted, but he's arguing from print made in quite recent times uh for him to see and european painters of about the same period like his, he, his argument falls apart because they're both from the same time and place yeah he's more or less yeah his uh i mean so you know he is get going back at least a couple centuries with okay. this next citation the pic uh the next picture guido's picture of perseus rescuing andromeda uh that let's see guido reni is a, a, a renaissance painter um, that picture is from 1635. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, you know, but no, it's, he's not actually able to go all the way back to like the most antique depictions of whales. Um, just cause you know, he doesn't, he doesn't really have the sources for that. Mm -hmm. Um, this, this kind of, it, there was a, there was an earlier chapter where he like did a similar kind of survey of like literary discussions of whales mm -hmm. and it kind of jumped from like the bible to much more recent sources uh and i think you know something similar is happening here yeah yeah that that makes sense um so let me get you rennie's oh guido's uh yeah guido rennie's oh okay, rennie sorry. is the his surname yeah uh perseus and andromeda well this is a whale. Waiting it's a whale. loading. It's loading. Yep. Don't don't tell tell people lies about what you're looking at. It's not going to be a whale. Oh my god! No, that is not a whale. That is a large fanged cow. I mean, to be <laughs> fair, it is meant. It is clearly meant to be a sea serpent. Like that's that's like a sea dragon. That's not, yeah. 
That's not in any way trying to be a whale. It's really, really not. There's also a there's also a Pegasus in this picture. Maybe I shouldn't say a Pegasus. This is the Pegasus. Yeah, some from, respect for the Pegasus. <laughs> this is Pegasus from the <laughs> myth of Perseus and Andromeda. So, like, it, I love that Ishmael is perfectly happy to point to an obviously fantastical... Wait, did... did I don't think... I don't think Perseus originally rode Pegasus. I think that it was Bellerophon who rode the Pegasus, and Perseus got given winged sandals in the version I knew. Mm, you might be right, but it is clearly... Here it is the Pegasus, yes. Yeah, is Renny is clearly depicting Pegasus. I guess he's he's playing a little fast and loose. Yeah. Or perhaps he's Had drawing... a different version. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, it's just delightful to me that Ishmael is, like, uh, all offended by this, you know, implausible sea monster. Where did Guido get the model of such a strange creature as that? Meanwhile, the winged horse passes without comment. <laughs> totally normal. Uh, yeah, no, it's... I mean, to make his point, he has to completely ignore the winged horse. He just does not see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's another of the same basic concept. Uh, yeah, so another... There's another depiction of um, Perseus and Andromeda, which is uh, an engraving by... Uh, Hogarth, William Hogarth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which um, Ishmael says did not do one whit better. Yes, um, and this is this is from 1730, uh, mm-hmm. and it's an illustration for like a a verse drama. So huh. it's yeah, it's part of like a whole series of pictures, but this is the yeah. one that has a whale in it, so this is this is the important thing as far as Ishmael's yeah, concerned. Yeah, yeah, No, we're, we're very clear. The only thing that matters is the whale. Also, that again, does not have a whale. It's the exact same thing. It's the kind of sea serpent that has a big dragony or, like, monstrous mouth. Ishmael notes that it's like, um, the upper jaw is above the water and the lower jaw is below it, giving the effect that it might be, uh, taken for the traitor's gate, leading from the Thames by water into the tower. It's like, a, it's got this, you know, very cavernous look. Um, but yeah, it's not a whale, Ishmael. He's not trying to draw a whale. <laughs> yeah. All right, now we have some pictures that are actually intended to be whales. The Prodromus whales of the old Scotch Sibold. Um, by which... I, wa- I just have no idea what that means. Prodromus means very early. Mm. Um, uh, and, like, it's it's sort of a... Uh, he might be taking that from the, the this um, this same uh, in, engraver, um, Robert Sibold, uh, made like a previous book that had the word Prodromus in the title that was supposed to be about like the earliest possible creatures, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but this is actually from something called uh, Philonologia Nova that was published in 1692. Um, and I think it is worth noting that this is, like, an actual scientific depiction. Mm-hmm. or yeah. Okay, scientific, quote-unquote. 1692 is maybe a little early for that word. But this is someone who was a, a professor of medicine. Yeah, it's, it's an anatomical de- depiction of a whale. I mean, that's not terrible. I mean, it's not it's not great in a number of ways. I, I like, think it has can, a goofy smile. You can definitely see where Ishmael is coming from in saying that this is not an accurate depiction of a whale. Yeah, it um, looks... You know what it looks like? It looks like a blobfish. A little bit, it does look like a It's got like a fish. big, goofy nose. Yeah, and um, he, uh, all he has to say about that really is, what shall be said of these? 
Yet, I have to say, the jump in similarity to a whale between the uh, Hogarthian sea serpent and this sibold whale is... It's really unfair to just be like, oh, what can be said of these? When it's like, that one looks so much more like a whale. Inc that one is clearly trying to be a whale. Incidentally, this is also going back in time, because the Hogarth engraving is from six 1730, and uh, these Sibold prints are from 1692. Oh. Uh, so, like, it is not a matter of, like, an advancement in whale depiction. It is a matter of, like, different purposes. Hogarth is not trying to depict a whale, as we've said At several all. times. <laughs> Um, Ishmael, what are you doing? Whereas, um, Sybold is writing about whales. This is from a book. The full English title is A Full and True Account of a Large and Wonderful Great Whale Lately Come Ashore in Abercorn, Within Nine Miles of Edinburgh in Scotland, September 22nd, 1692. So, like, this is a, this is a beached whale that he's depicting. Yes. Um, which explains some of the blobfishiness. Yes. I mean, that's also why blobfish look like that. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's what I meant. Yeah. Because they're, um, they're puffed up because of the different pressure. Yes. Um, and this is something Ishmael will comment on later. Yes. That, like, depictions of beached whales are never really going to capture the true majesty <laughs> of the living whale. <sighs> um, and he also talks about, like, uh, images in old Bibles, um, for which mm -hmm. I have just a, an example image, which um, Melville's Picture Gallery claims this is one that was, like, commonly imitated and reproduced in the 19th century although i think this is like a what's the date um this picture is from the 1580s whoops sorry so this is like an actual like specific engraving of jonah yes and the whale this isn't like he's also talking about like the publisher's whale which i assume is like you yeah know, using a whale as a oh is that i'll another? show you that in a cool, second cool. that's a different yeah thing. no this i mean once again this is the same sea monster as hogarth it's a big fish serpent thing with a weirdly dragony head and face and mouth with little fangs and you know i am pretty sure that jonah is also in a fish in the original document yes ishmael has in fact argued that fish and whale can be used uh or like whales are fish he argued that at length and now he's like oh you're drawing a fish but you should be drawing a whale what is it ishmael are whales fish <laughs> yeah god i've just noticed something completely ridiculous and and unimportant but um there's like latin text underneath this mm -hmm. uh that's just presumably quotations from the book of jonah uh but one of the latin words here is redditor <laughs> oh you're, you're saying that here is a redditor being devoured by a whale <laughs> yes i think that literally means like uh it returned or something mm -hmm. like that yeah, yeah, yeah um but yes i also want to point out just that the um the arc as i love to point out about illustrations of biblical scenes that have architecture and ships and just everything looking like uh you know about 1600s uh europe yeah no it's true there are a bunch of like ships and and like buildings in the background there's a european castle yes there totally is a castle in the background of this picture <laughs> jonah well-known uh european yes <sighs> um <sighs> And then, uh, yeah, the next thing, he, he mentions the bookbinder's whale. And this is another one's, one of the ones where I'm like, uh, this is not supposed to be a whale, even a little bit. Uh, this is supposed to be a dolphin. Um, but don't you see, because they thought dolphins were whales, this is also an insult to whales. You have to understand <laughs> that basically everything is an insult to whales. So this is, uh, this is like a classic, I think you'll still see this in some, like, books, like on the 
the front page of mm-hmm. books that are printed today. It's like an anchor with a, it's not really a dolphin either, with a sort of fish thing coiled around <laughs> it. Um, and this was... Uh, like intended to be a dolphin. Yeah, it, it it's more like a dolphin than it is like a whale. And it's more like a hawk than it is like a handsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This um this is a this was introduced by the famous Renaissance printer Aldus Minucius in 1502. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh. So what you might say is it's it's not that important. It's just a minutiae. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I also enjoy that he um, uh, he does mention that it was introduced by an Italian publisher somewhere about the 15th century during what he calls the revival of learning. Because uh, Ishmael just has to be clear that uh, Renaissance means revival of learning, and you need to know he knows that. Yes, yes. Um, and he does, he does account for the thing where, like, people say this is a dolphin. He says, uh, the universally denominated a dolphin, I nevertheless call this bookbinder's fish an attempt at a whale, because it was so intended when the device was first introduced. Because it's... dolphins were supposed to be a kind of whale. Yes, and, so like... So, therefore, it's, it's just... Ishmael is really willing to go out on a branch and, like, uh, do whatever he needs to do to be able to uh, take offense in the name of whales and whalemen. <laughs> yeah, he really, he, he, he will really go anywhere that he needs to. Um. Uh, now he's got a, a number of uh, smaller, rela- re- like, uh, references when he's like, you know, you will at times meet with very curious touches at the whale, where all manner of spouts, jets d'eau, hot springs and cold, Saratoga and Baden Baden come bubbling up from his unexhausted brain. Basically being like, then there's just a ton of bad whales. Yeah, this is so vague that I didn't find a specific image for this. They do mm-hmm. find a bunch of pictures in Melville's picture gallery that the author is like, I think these are what he was getting at. Um, but it's much less certain. Yeah. This is just basically saying in many books, there are whales in the margins. (laughs) Um, (sighs) but quitting all those, these, there is one more thing, one specific citation. Uh, and this one's kind of funny. Um, cause this one is another one of those places where it's like it, uh, there's some actual, uh, confusion about what kind what book we're talking about mm-hmm. so he says in the title page of the original edition of the advancement of learning you will find some curious whales and that's a that is a book by francis bacon um and there are no whales on its title page but uh, however uh, there's a different book by francis bacon um oh. uh called the novum organum which is also, I think, a little yeah, bit... Yeah, the Novum Organum is a famous book. Yeah, it is. Um, it's like, well, do you want to explain what it is? I, I feel like I'm going to get it slightly wrong if I try, so so no, but... <laughs> so it's it's like the book where uh, Bacon lays out, like, a new system of, like, logic and empiricism that he intends to, like, replace Aristotelian logic. It's... it's... Okay, now I'm, I'm remembering, is it, can it be fairly called, like, the, the birthplace of the experimental philosophy? Yeah, something along those lines. It's like a super significant book in the history of, of science. science. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, there are people who would argue it's it's uh, Francis Bacon is an, is a you know originary figure in at least calling it science. Uh, though obviously there were the sciences before then and various others. It's hard to talk about this because what we mean by science nowadays is so different from what was meant by science at various other points in time. Yeah. So uh, this this print or this like frontispiece picture. Do you have picture. to zoom in to find the yes, whale? Yes, because here, I'm circling it with my mouse. Do you see that? That's, that's 
Um, I mean, it's a dot, and there's sort of a whirlpool around it. it. It's like the head of some kind of vaguely whale dolphin-y creature. It's poking its eye out at us. Yeah, I guess. Is that lump on the other side of the ship the other end of the whale? Or is Maybe, that a rock? Or it might, it you, looks the same except without the eye. It's really hard to tell. Um, and then I think maybe this thing might be a fluke. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is certainly a stroke of luck, whatever it is. <laughs> but I, I can't tell if that's supposed to be a fluke or something growing on the rocks because it's directly between those two uh, uh, pillars. I, I don't know if I see any whales in this at all. Yeah, but this is... This... If... This has to be what Ishmael was getting at, because this is, like, a... I think this is basically the only bacon frontispiece that has anything like some whales in it. <laughs> I, I kind of think... I vote... I, uh, I assign these whales a rating of doubtful. <laughs> I think that he just wanted to bring in Francis Bacon. Yeah, I mean, as part of his uh, war on science. Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um... Uh... Ishmael never change. <laughs> but uh, I also want to point out that they next say, you know, we're going to go to, those are all unprofessional. But now let's look at sober scientific illustrations. Like, one of those was someone doing a scientific illustration that you just was were like, oh no, this is just as ridiculous as, like, everything else. And it was significantly better. And I just feel very bad for that uh, Scottish doctor. Yeah, no, I don't understand why he decided to include um, Sybold's whale in the unprofessional attempts. Um, especially because I don't actually think that... I don't actually think that that whale... First of all, from my perspective, I don't think that's the worst whale that he's going to show that <laughs> was made by a supposed like scholar. Um, and I don't think it's the scholarly whale that he's the most angry about. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I do love the description of this next one, so I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing it. Yeah. This do you want to? Uh, do you want to read what he says? Yes. Uh, in old Harris's collection of voyages, there are some plates of whales extracted from a Dutch book of voyages, A.D. 1671, entitled A Whaling Voyage to Spitsbergen and in the ship Jonas in the Whale, Peter Peterson of Friesland, Master. In one of those plates, the whales, like great rafts of logs, are represented lying among ice isles with white bears running over their living backs. In another plate, the prodigious blunder is made of representing the whale with perpendicular flukes. <laughs> Which, you know, uh, okay, I understand why he's so upset about that, but... <laughs> yeah. All right, so here is, uh, here is Harris's Book of Voyages for you, uh... Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll zoom in so you can really see the details of the whales lying like ice logs. Uh. Yeah, no, they're they're being hunted. People are throwing lots of harpoons. The whales are sort of just sitting there for it. And there's people in a whale boat firing on a polar bear, I guess. It's a very small polar bear. Yeah, Ishmael claims that the polar bears are like climbing around on the whales, which is not quite true. But it is true that there's like a you know, a strip of land or, like, an ice floe with a polar bear on it right next to a whale in a way that I definitely think is implausible. Yeah, yeah, especially given that that whale isn't much larger than that polar bear and neither of them is much larger than, like, two people. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it clearly has some perspective because things get smaller in the background, but I think that generally these whales are just basically, like, black lumps coming out of the water occasionally with spouts, and the sheer number of people around them is like, huh, I... I think you maybe um, 
think he maybe sent too many men. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they are dealing with both whales and bears at the same time. So. Yeah, but the bears are not putting up much of a fight. Not in this image, no. Yeah, like, there's one getting stabbed three times, and also a guy's holding, like, a big cartoon Flintstones club <laughs> to hit it on the back of the head. Yes. I I really do think that we need to give these, uh, these like, Dutch... Uh, sailors a little bit of credit. I think killing a polar bear is actually very difficult. Yes, but like that polar bear, it just looks sad. Uh, yeah, it does look It's like holding sad. the spear, not even like reaching out for anyone with menacing claws. It's just being like, oh, you're doing this to me. Stop. Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, but, but you're wasn't right. Wasn't there another image there? Uh, yeah, no, there is. I, I just also wanted to uh, mention that this is, um, this is by someone named John Harris. It's from 1748. Uh, mm -hmm. So we are continuing, at this point, we are going to basically continually move forward in time. Yeah, um, yep. And this is also, this is from a book that basically collects a bunch of different uh, mm -hmm. sea voyage accounts. I think the title says over 600. Um, so, so whoever made this engraving very possibly was not actually present for this scene. Okay, I, hmm, the whale for which the bone is taken, that's a perfectly okay whale. <laughs> it's, it's goofy, um... It does have perpendicular flukes. But it does have perpendicular flukes, and that's real bad. It also has the whale louse, which looks weirdly Illuminati-ish. Like, there's a weird little pyramid inside the whale louse. It's yeah, it's unpleasant. Yeah, also, um, I think at least one of our previous images did seem to kind of show perpendicular flukes, although it had a little bit of like a... Twist to it? A twist that made it seem like, okay, this is just a, a device made so that it can show you the flukes, because yeah. showing horizontal flukes in a flat image is difficult yeah, yeah um for which i you know i can't blame the artist it is difficult yeah the okay the narwhal there has like a a, a ridge all along its back leading through its horn that i don't understand there's also the morse which i'm assuming is a uh walrus or a manatee or a weird uncle yeah yeah it it looks sort of walrusy or manatee-ish yes yeah, um, it's a saber-toothed manatee <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's a Dr. Dugong. Jeez. I, th I think it's probably um, some kind of walrus, if only because this is supposed to be like an Arctic fishing mm, scene, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I don't think there would be manatees. Um, <sighs> uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's that's all very Arctic. Yes. <sighs> I, I also love the fact that he's like, the, only, the thing that's really terrible about this whale is that the flukes are perpendicular. Sure, that's that's a big problem, but it's like no mention of anything else going on because he just wants to focus on the flaws. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, this next one is uh, from a, a 1798 book uh, by Captain James Colnett. Of the English Navy. Yes. Um, and it's uh, drawn by scale from a... A uh, sperm whale killed on the coast of Mexico in August 1793 and hoisted on deck, according to... Wow, okay. Um, so I mean... this... I mean, this in terms of, like, just drawing the shape of what a sperm whale looks like is not bad at all. No, no, it's it's getting it. Uh, it's got... The head is definitely that, that classic head. Um, it's got that weird square thing. It's got the, the long, narrow jaw... It's got an eye that is frankly distressing. Yeah, so Ishmael's real objection to this one is that the eye is too big. Yes, and that uh, he specifically compares it to like a, a bow window and that you could uh, 
Uh, you could have a Jonah looking out of the eye. What I find distressing is that the eye has white and a pupil, so it looks very person-like. Yes, it is a very human-looking eye. And this image specifically has the whale, like, marked up for butchering. Yeah, like a, um, like you see those, uh, you know, those images of a pig with dotted lines around it or a cow. Yeah, this is absolutely the whale equivalent of that. And so giving that type of image of a whale a very humanoid eye and an eyebrow it has an eyebrow it does have an eyebrow why does the whale have an eyebrow i i can't tell i I had to lean in to stare at that eyebrow in horror yeah um uh, anyways something that was noted and i think this is very funny because it shows a kind of uh ishmael like um pedantry Something that was noted in Herman Melville's picture gallery is that Ishmael's math for how much too big the eye is is a little bit off. Ha! Uh, because he says, you know, if this, based on the scale in this image, if you made a, if you... Uh, made a full-sized whale If like you made this. this image, if you made this whale full-sized, then its eye would have to be five feet long. And uh, Herman Melville's picture gallery was like, well, if you used this scale and made the eye five feet long... The whale would be about 128 feet long, which is about as twice as long as an actual sperm whale. Um, however, come on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> wow, that is, I mean, to be fair, it's just giving Ishmael his own medicine. Yes. <laughs> okay, so um, next up we have, like, I think children's and, uh, like, like educational works that depict the whale. Yeah, so this is, uh, he's he's talking about something called Goldsmith's Animated Nature, which is like a, um, like a popular work of natural history that was, like, copied for schools a lot. What's amazing is that could easily also be a YouTube channel now. <laughs> like, maybe not Goldsmith's, because that's not how it gets framed, but, like, Animated Nature is totally a YouTube, uh, channel. Yeah, um, and this... Uh, wow! So these are some pretty bad whales. No, these are, okay, if this is the quality of whale that we'd been seeing, I would absolutely have been with Ishmael the entire time. Like, uh... Definitely, I feel like this is not educating the children well. No, no, it's not. That narwhale is literally one of those uh, Hogarth monsters, but with a horn, which makes it worse. <laughs> yes. Like, here, can we zoom in? Yeah, I, I just yeah, want to... Yeah, yeah. Let me zoom in. Here you go. Enjoy the narwhal in all its scaled glory. It's also, I think, written as the new whale. Like, the narwhal is the the new model of whale. Yes. Here's the old whale. Like, uh, it's got a foot for a fin, a weird little stubby finger for, like, a side fin. It has ears. It also kind of has fur. I, I think that might just be cross-hatching. I, I, I don't think it has fur. The, no, the new whale has fur. The new whale has been upgraded. But the old whale... Oh, sorry. I was talking about the new whale when I mentioned the fur, but yes. Yeah, yeah. No, the new whale has, like, a a deer's head attached onto, like, just a sack of a body, a weird little toggle thing, and then it's fin. The less said about that, the better. The new... The, the old... I can see why they needed a new whale. <laughs> yeah. Which has been upgraded with scales... raking fins a tuft of fur at the end of its uh like this is a weird thing engravings often did where they depicted like the fin of a fish as just like a tuft of fur yeah and this whale this new whale has that it's got like angry fangs a vicious eye a unicorn horn the new whale is truly that would win in a fight with the old whale which is not doing so hot yeah ishmael describes this as a hippogriff 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, what? it's it's really more of a um, shoot. What's the what's the term? A hippocampus. <laughs> sure. Yeah. In fact, I'm just gonna read this sentence. I do not wish to seem inelegant, but this unsightly whale looks much like an amputated sow. And as for the narwhal, one glimpse at it as it is enough to amaze one that in this 19th century, such a hippogriff could be palmed for genuine upon any intelligent public of schoolboys. You know, I agree wholeheartedly. It does look much like an amputated sow, and I can't believe they're passing off that hippocampus as a whale. Yeah, I... I, Or as the new whale. I think it's kind of funny, like... This, I think, is one of those times when, like, Ishmael's and Melville's history as a school teacher jumps out. Because mm. you can just imagine him trying to share this, trying to teach out of this book and being like, oh, oh. my God, I can't believe I have to <laughs> tell my students this is science. Or, like, even he has to explain to the students, please ignore this drawing of whale. This whale is bad. The new whale is no such thing. We have no new whales. Whales are as old as the world. <laughs> yes. Um... Yeah. Uh, God, I'm I'm just really enjoying the idea of the new whale. Yeah. I also want to mention, by the way, that the, the book he's talking about is from 1774, but this engraving is from 1826. Ouch. Like, it is it is recent. Ouch. Um, yeah, no, like, if he'd led with that, I'd have been much more like, yep, all of these pictures are terrible. Yeah. Uh, and next up we have, uh, in 1825, Bernard Germain, Count de Lacepede? Yeah, Lacepede, I think, is how that would be pronounced. Um, this, this is, he got the date slightly wrong, this is from 1804, 1825 is when this person died, but it uh, is pretty recent. But, um, it's a pretty bad whale. <laughs> those whales are lumpy. Yeah. They're so lumpy. <laughs> <laughs> like... I think the one that's really upsetting to me is that, like, uh, humpback or... Uh... Yeah, so I think these are meant to be uh, uh, right whales. All of them? Uh, well, they're... Okay, I don't know exactly. They're I mean... all they're all baleen whales. Yes, I'm not totally sure. It's hard for me to be positive which of these images is meant to specifically be a right whale. First of all, because I don't know the French word for right whale, and it is captioned in French. And second of all, because, you know, this is one of those situations where, like, speciation of whales yeah, yeah. is not the, exactly the same in the 19th century as it is now. I just, okay, first of all, looking at the first one, it has just the weirdest mouth, it has a knobbly chin, its fin looks just horrible. Also, all three of these pictures of whales have two spouts, which I'm pretty sure is not a thing. <laughs> um. I guess they're supposed to be like nostrils. I mean, I think that's why yeah. people often depict whales with two spouts, but I'm, I'm, I believe that is not how it works. Yeah, no, I just, that first whale is so weird. It's so bulbous. The second whale is just laughing at us. Yeah. Also, there's another interesting uh, detail. Let me see. I, I think this is this one that I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so these are, uh, Ishmael, uh, Brings up the right whales from this book. Yeah. Uh, Histoire naturelle de cetacé. Natural history of whales. An entire book about whales that has whales that look this bad. Um, God, yeah, that is a trash, trash whale book. I, I'm with I'm with Ishmael on this one. Um, and he, he mentions the depiction of the right whale is bad and, and that uh, Scoresby, who's come up before in this book, um, who, you know, is a... Uh, he was an Arctic explorer who wrote about whaling. So a whale expert. Yeah. So he's, the, the, he's, and a whale expert who was on a boat a lot, and therefore Ishmael, like, 
respect him. Yes. Uh, so Scoresby uh, commented on this depiction of the right whale as being bad. Um, but there's actually an even worse depiction of a sperm whale in this book. Oh. Yeah, but that uh, he doesn't mention it, which... Uh, Do you have a picture of that? Oh, I forgot to get that one, but no, I No, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, you know, I'll... It doesn't I'll, show up in the book, so it would be ancillary material. I, d- I will try to put it in the blog post, though, because I, I do think it's of interest that basically this is one of those places where it seems like maybe Melville only didn't actually have access to the Count de la Ped's book, but did have access to Scoresby's book, where Scoresby... Excoriates it. Exactly. Uh, and I think maybe, like, reproduces the picture of the right whale, whereas Scoresby didn't really hunt sperm whales and wouldn't have cared that much yeah, about them. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, just, I just want to reiterate how lumpy and bad those whales are and how just, like, goofy they look. Yes. Uh, okay, okay. So, uh, he does give pride of place in this gallery of horribles to uh, the scientific Frederic Cuvier, brother to the famous Baron. Cuvier is a big deal. Yeah, I think you talked about Cuvier in like an earlier episode where we were talking about like Ishmael's war on science, as you put it. That's such a bad whale. <laughs> it looks like a handgun that's smiling at me. Yeah, Ishmael describes what is that. Ishmael describes it as a squash. <laughs> I. It's certainly been squashed. Yeah, I really don't know. There's like a. Like, okay, if you made a, a whale out of Play-Doh and made it, like, just got really into its teeth and its creepy eye and then just smushed the front of it against a wall until it was flat, like, is that supposed to be a sperm whale's head? I think it is supposed to be a... Wait, and let me... why does it have a nozzle, like an inflatable, uh, like... Yeah, this is a sperm whale. Why does it have a nozzle? Yeah, there's... There's a thing sticking out of the side of this whale, and I really have no idea. Like it, it has to be. It has to be that we're meant to see this whale as like in the act of being harpooned or something, right? I don't know. I just. It looks like someone stuck a plunger into the whale, or like a, a switch. <laughs> yeah, I. I this really don't know awful. what it is. I really do not know what it is. God, but you can see the like the. You know how I said it looked like a handgun. <laughs> yes. You can see the like the the barrel and the like support structure like on a like on a gun in the movies. It's Yeah. Oh god, this whale is bad. This is a really bad whale. Um it, it's Ishmael... surrounded by like depictions, very scientific and presumably accurate depictions of the bones of whales. And then I'm just like, there's no way that those bones go in that thing. I don't believe that thing has bones. <laughs> yeah. Uh Israel really gets worked up about this one. Before showing that picture to any Nantucketer, you would best provide for your summary retreat from Nantucket. Yeah, you'll get chased out with torches and pitchforks for calling that a whale. In a word, Frederick Cuvier's sperm whale is not a sperm whale, but a squash. Um, God, and he, um, uh, he basically just goes on about how these sci- these men of science don't, uh, don't actually go on whaling ships and experience whales and therefore can produce things this stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if this is, if this is, I think this is the Kufi I am thinking of, uh, who did things like argue for the concept of extinction and make some major, uh, like, this is a, a very important, uh, natural philosopher and early scientist. Yeah, I, I, 
I don't know as much about Cuvier as you do. Um, I, I wonder whether the person who's really famous is the... Because he says this is Frederick yeah, yeah, Cuvier, yeah. brother to the famous Baron. Um, if you would look that up quickly I, on your phone, I would appreciate it. I didn't think Baron Cuvier was the scientist, but it might I might be wrong. Just uh, Google, like, Cuvier, Cuvier extinction or something. Um, uh, the next set of whales that he refers to, I also don't have pictures for this one, um, mostly because I couldn't actually find any. Oh, whales. no, no. It's na- noted naturalist and zoologist Georges Cuvier was his brother. So this is the lesser Cuvier. Yes. Um, I believe. Uh, that's... Uh, yeah, no, I think this is this is the much lesser Cuvier, which, ouch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other Cuvier is the founding father of paleontology, uh, and um, just generally considered to be a huge uh, influence. And I believe uh, he popularized catastrophism, and everyone loves catastrophism. I have no idea what catastrophism is. Would you please define it for me? Catastrophism is the idea that rather than a long, slow development by gradual change of the Earth's surface, uh, sudden and shocking events caused most of it. So the idea is that, like, the gradualist versus catastrophist arguments in, like, geography, geology, uh, you know, later paleontology were basically did do all the processes currently seen on the surface of the Earth are those just what created everything? And when we think about mountain ranges, we should think about them being produced slowly. When we think about, you know, uh, a canyon, is it all about erosion versus catastrophism, which is, should we think that there were large, huge events that shaped it that we do not see the like of nowadays? Um, And the sort of, the consensus we've since gotten is, it's kind of both. There are large events like meteor impacts and so on that hugely reshape the surface of the, the planet and change the uh the you know conditions under which species live but also most of the time things do continue more or less as they are and those two sort of ideological positions became super important to the history of evolution early on as well Mm. the argument between gradualism and an incredibly long history to get the kind of things we see or catastrophism and you can have a more compressed history because things like uh arguments about say was there a worldwide flood Mm. um uh fall very easily into both a religious frame but also into a catastrophist versus uh gradualist uh frame where gradualists would presumably say this has been a while since i've was thinking about this uh gradualists would presumably say well you know there may have been a flood but it wouldn't have you know happened all at once or drained all at once whereas uh catastrophists might say yeah that happened and that carved things out quickly yeah cool although i think mostly it was about were there giant super volcanoes in the past and stuff like that makes sense oh <sighs> Then we have uh, sign painters whales, and uh, yeah, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't find like a, a good, like image because he's again he's talking about like a general, a general category. category. He's talking about like signs that would be hung uh, in front of shops that sell whale oil. That you know, perhaps unsurprisingly, these are pretty messy. Yeah, they're, and ca- casual. they're caricatures, like yeah. literally, they're cartoons in the in the old sense of whales. Uh, I like how he describes them as having the and them as being Richard the Third whales uh, with dromedary humps and very savage. So they're like eating, eating sailors, cr- crushing boats, uh, and you know all humped and hunched over. Yeah, I mean, if I were uh, a whale oil salesman, I would definitely want to impress upon people how terrifying whales are as part of like <laughs> convincing them that my product is very valuable. Yeah, that's fair. Um. Ah. Uh. And, and this is where uh, he, he basically, 
At this point, he's done talking about specific images of whales in this chapter, and he's now just going to explain, all right, how did we get here? Um, <laughs> because, as we were saying, uh, images of whales are mostly taken from beached whales. Um, and uh, this is just... You're not going to get a, a good image of a whale from that. The whale has been flopped over, collapsed. Um, you'd have to like go into the... You can't really get a sense for the shape of its body. As he puts it... Um, you know, there's uh, a difference between a difference of contour between young whales, which you could theoretically like haul all out of the water, and uh, a full-grown Plutonian leviathan. Yeah, because like part of what he's talking about here is not just the fact that you can only see a living whale at sea, but also even at sea, you can't really see a whole living whale. Uh, the living whale in his full majesty and significance is only to be seen at sea in unfathomable waters. And afloat, the vast bulk of him is out of sight, like a launched line of battle ship. And out of that element, it is a thing internally impossible for mortal man to hoist him bodily into the air, so as to preserve all his mighty swells and undulations. I mean, whales do breach sometimes. So in theory, if you had, say, a, a way of taking a, a picture down really quickly and accurately, <laughs> so that the all the, the details could be saved? Uh, I think you'll find that it is a thing eternally impossible for yeah, mortal yeah, man, yeah, Ben. Yeah, cool. Yeah, understood. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, uh, I don't think Melville or Ishmael can be blamed for not anticipating photography. Yeah, I mean... I think there was some photography at this point, but it was a very slow process. And also probably not something you could take onto the deck of a whale Yeah, ship. almost certainly not. Um, but then he get talks about, you know, uh, surely you might think, if you're an idiot, that you can figure out what a whale looks like just from its skeleton. And uh, then he tells you, no, you might be able to figure out what uh, Jeremy Bentham, the utilitarian skeleton, which is now on display, what Jeremy Bentham would look like. Which... <laughs> Jeremy Bentham did, in fact, have his body after his death displayed in a number of different ways. Uh, his idea being that this would increase ma uh, total utility. Yeah, this is Jeremy Bentham uh, was was he the one who actually like invented utilitarianism? Yes, he is the, he's generally seen as the founder of utilitarianism, and then John Stuart Mill uh, is seen as the one who um, made it less goofy. <laughs> Uh, but Bentham is a very Bentham was like the most straightforward utilitarian, and he had his like skeleton removed and his skin taxidermied to be wheeled out for um like board meetings at the university he endowed. God, uh, that's such a wild decision. Yeah, no, he's um his dedication to utilitarianism was a bit odd. Like, the way he approached it, he definitely took the position that this would provide more utility because his body would consider it to be useful. And the question is, useful for what, Jeremy? I mean, Mel, uh, I was about to say Melville. Don't know what his opinion is. Ishmael seems to basically agree that it worked <laughs> out because, you know, as he says, uh, Jeremy Bentham's skeleton, which hangs for candelabra in the library of one of his executors, correctly conveys the idea of a burly-browed utilitarian old gentleman with all Jeremy's other leading personal characteristics. I, but is that a, is that, does that increase utility? Does having a utilitarian skeleton be utilitarian at you increase utility? I don't think I know that. I mean, okay, I, I don't actually think Ishmael is a utilitarian. <laughs> so I think what he's saying is, if you want to, like, look at a skeleton and get a sense of the man from which it came. This skeleton accomplishes that purpose. As to whether- That's fair. And I think that Ishmael considers, like, 
knowing the character of great men of the past to be a valuable thing. Yeah, that's fair. He would consider the same to be true of Wales, but unfortunately, uh, I think he says something like the um, the whale skeleton bears almost no relationship to the living whale. Yeah, there's a... In fact, as the great hunter says, and that's a, an anatomist, John Hunter, mm-hmm. um, of the 18th century. I, I did assume that this was uh, an oblique reference to someone who was a hunter of whales. <laughs> no, I think just a, an anatomist. Yeah, 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 no, no. Um, but the mere skeleton of the whale bears the same relation to the fully invested and padded animal as the insect does to the chrysalis that so roundingly envelops it. Um, which, I mean, this is basically true. Like, whale, yeah, living whales... Yeah, they have whales, a lot of blubber and stuff yeah so living whales really do not look that much like whale skeletons yep yep oh god there's also a terrible pun that stub makes yes uh referring to the fact that one of the things that you can't really tell from a whale skeleton is that they have you know they have like finger bones but they don't have fingers they have like a a flipper all the the flesh like connects all these bones together Um, so However recklessly the whale may sometimes serve us, said humorous Stubb one day, he can never truly be said to handle us without middens. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bad pun. I love it. So yeah, um, and this leads to uh, Ishmael's sort of conclusion for this section of Monstrous Pictures of Whales, which is, For all these reasons, then, any way you may look at it, you must needs conclude that the great Leviathan is that one creature in the world which must remain unpainted to the last. And true, one portrait may hit the mark much nearer than another, but none can hit it with any very considerable degree of exactness, so there is no earthly way of finding out precisely what the whale really looks like. And the only mode in which you can derive even a tolerable idea of his living contour is by going a-whaling yourself, but by so doing, you run no small risk of being eternally stove and sunk by him. Wherefore, I want to, don't forget the lessons. Wherefore, it seems to me, you had best not be too fastidious in your curiosity touching this Leviathan. Which is basically, uh, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> do not be so curious about whales that it drives you to actually risk your life. That would be a terrible thing to do. I definitely don't write a whole novel about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I will say this is so much just like that that theme we've repeatedly noticed of the unknowability and of the the hiddenness of things and the whale as the utterly unknowable leviathan that like he's literally arguing that even the exterior part of the whale, its shape, its appearance will never truly be captured because the world simply does not allow for knowledge of whales beyond, you know, and I think there's, I say beyond because I was about to say beyond, you know, whalemen's knowledge of it. But some of that knowledge is quite deep. Like, Ahab, particularly, has deep and Gnostic knowledge of whales to the point where he thinks that he can perhaps track a single whale in all the oceans. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is, like, I think it's very interesting that, you know, Ishmael is careful to note that even by whaling, you still really don't know what a whale fully looks like because you can't, you know, you can't, like, get underwater and, like, see the whole whale's yeah, body. Yeah, and I think there's even some sort of, you know, you, you just can't, truly know a whale um but there is some kind of real knowledge that is possible but you've got to risk your life for it yeah um uh and and there also i think is a very clear sense that this is a not a transmissible knowledge you know yeah like you you can't really go whaling get the amount of true whale knowledge that can be gotten there and then 
like depict it so that other mm, people can yeah. really understand it. You'll never quite capture the whale. Yes. Although you have captured many whales <laughs> and rendered them for like oil. Yes. Ah, which leads us to of the less erroneous pictures of whales and the true pictures of whaling scenes. So 56. I, I would like to break for now and continue our recording later. Um, just because we've actually been talking just about this chapter for quite some time. Uh, almost an hour. Um, and, and you want to give it enough time for the rest of it? Yes, I do. Uh, I, I really want to luxuriate in those less erroneous pictures of whales. Yeah, I, something that's really great is we have a separate print reproducing as described one of those less erroneous pictures of whales in my copy of Moby Dick. Yes, I, which I, that's absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah. I, we will have to compare that to the, the original um, and get a sense of what's going on there but okay so uh we will get back to you after the break same whale time same whale channel Got some fresh air, and now we're ready to discuss, uh... Less erroneous pictures of whales. Yeah. Which is really damning with faint praise in some ways. Yeah, yeah, uh... I I feel like it's pretty clear that these three chapters are arranged in a order of how much sending sense of Ishmael's enthusiasm. That makes sense, yeah. But I, I definitely think across the three chapters, the first one is of monstrous pictures of whales. Just absolutely nothing Bullshit. like whales. Yeah. And then this is less erroneous pictures of whales and true pictures of whaling. And then uh, the last one is special. Yes, it's very special. Um, okay, uh, but let's let us focus on chapter fifty-six for now. Um, so uh, he briefly considers the idea of talking about like uh, stories of whales, like historical narratives of them, which are even more ridiculous. But he's like, ah, never mind, no space. Um, yeah, in Pliny, Purchase, Hackloyd, Harris, Cuvier, etc. Wow, double Cuvier. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, uh, but, uh, so now we are moving on to decent, like, scientific depictions of whales. Um, uh, and he listed, he lists four published outlines of the great sperm whale, by which I think he means, like, images of, like, the entire shape mm, of the whale. That makes sense. Um... Uh, two of them uh, were already discussed in the previous chapter, uh, Colnett and Cuvier, and we've already discarded those. Well, Colnett got given a little bit more uh, positivity. Yeah, that's that's true, but but he still got uh, placed in the monstrous picture. That is ways. true. <laughs> um, uh, so the next one to be discussed is uh, Huggins. He just kind of briefly mentions Huggins is far better than theirs. I'll be the judge of that. Yes, uh, let me allow me to show you uh, William John Huggins judges whales. Uh, so this is Huggins's picture of a whale. Okay, and this is you know. So there's there's two whales here. One is that little tiny whale down there. That seems a perfectly functional sperm whale like outline. It's not that different from some of the other ones we've seen before. But I think the the living sperm whale in the chase that he's depicting is uh, why Ishmael is so much more positive about it yeah 
Yeah, this does make me wonder, because the image we're looking at, um, it does, as Ben said, it has, like, a very small, like, full-profile picture of the whale, and then a much larger, like, actual whaling scene. Um, so it's kind of unclear to me. It seems a little unusual that Ishmael includes this under the outlines. Um, like, I don't totally get it. Like, uh, but whatever. Um, uh, you know, if only Ishmael had been exposed to, like, um, this is just making me think of a Turner's whaling scenes, which I quite like. Um, I don't think they show up in this, in these chapters at all. No. But they're, like, uh, proto-impressionistic, like, dark and strange, and I think they have a lot of character to them, and I'm sad that Ishmael didn't get to see them, because while he's very focused on anatomical correctness, I think he would have to agree that the, uh, emotional and aesthetic qualities of those whales are true. Yeah, I mean, I think we will see in this chapter, like, just how much he values, um, like, mm-hmm. that, those qualities. The expression of whaleness. Yes. Um, Whalicity. And, uh... The, Whale. The, <laughs> yes. Uh, the Huggins image is, is, uh, from, what is it, 1834. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite recent. Yeah. Uh, and then, then, even better than Huggins... Is Beals. Yeah, he has a lot to say about uh, Beale, who has, um, so Beale wrote, a, uh, Thomas Beale wrote a book called uh, A Few Observations on the Natural History of the Sperm Whale, um, in which there are, like, quite a number of whale images. Um, Less erroneous pictures of whales, you might say. Yes. Uh, and, and the ones that um, Ishmael specifically refers to, there's two images that he specifically cites. And one, he actually cites to criticize it, um, which is a picture of uh, three whales called, I think, Habits of the Sperm Whale. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm opening that one now. Here it is. Ah, it shows breaching, spouting, and just sort of sticking his face up. Yeah, and Ishmael is critical of the middle whale, which is the Mm -hmm. most uh, complete one. Um, And, you know, I guess I see his point. It's certainly, I, I think it's understandable why he includes this in this chapter, even though he has criticisms of it. Because this, yeah, yeah. this is a decent whale. It's, it's a fine whale, I guess. Yeah. Ah, oh, God. I love how he says, all Beale's draw- drawings of this whale are good, excepting the middle figure in the picture of three whales in various attitudes, capping his second chapter. Like, being really specific about which whale is unacceptable. Yes. Uh, and this is, by the way, this is an 1839 book. So, again, pretty recent. Um, and then he does, uh, strongly praise, uh, Beale's frontispiece, uh, which is a whaling scene. Wow, how, really? Really, Ishmael. This is, like, this is cartoonish nonsense, like. I don't know, I mean. I mean, okay, it gets across the, the aesthetic, and that one whale in the center is really doing it, but. Okay, it's the, it's the one that's, like, mostly out of the water and has its face down that you're really objecting to, isn't it? Absolutely. Like, I don't see what's so different between that and the previous jumping whale. Yeah. Like, is it that it's slightly less bumpy on the latter half? I think it's that this is a really dramatic and compelling image of whaling that has the whale boats right up on the whale. And yeah. shows also shows the sense of scale in a realistic way. Mm, yeah. Um, there's also people being flung from their uh, boats. Like, there's people like 30 feet in the air hurled up above a spouting whale uh in like little silhouettes in among the amid the flinders of their boat and i think that is what ishmael likes to see yeah that's that's probably true um and you know i will say ishmael did anticipate 
reactions like yours, uh, in that he says about this piece of art, his frontispiece boats attacking sperm whales, though no doubt calculated to excite the civil skepticism of some parlor men, is admirably correct and lifelike in its parlor general Parlor men. Oh, yes, yes. You're the one who's all like, oh, the anatomy isn't quite right. And now that now you're completely throwing that out, Ishmael, because you really like the effect. <laughs> Pick a lane. <laughs> uh, <sighs> and uh, the next one he mentions is... Um, J. Ross Brown? Yeah, J. Ross Brown, who wrote, like, a, another book about um, sperm whales in general uh, called um, Etchings of a Whale Cruise from 1846, which Melville actually wrote a, a positive review of this book, and it was his first published literary criticism. Ah, so that, that explains why he's like, um, they're pretty correct in contour, but are wretchedly engraved. That is not his fault, though. Yes. Uh, anyway, you can see from this image... Yeah, that's a, fine, I guess. It's, it's, you know, not a very high quality image in that it it is wretchedly engraved. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, that's definitely not great engraving. You can tell that the engraver was much more comfortable with the, the ship in the background than either the whale boats or the whales. Yeah, I think that's probably an accurate uh, uh, assessment. I think also just in general, these were like pretty small images in mm -hmm. their original uh, context. Yeah. Um. I just picked... Okay, this a really dumb thought is that this looks like uh, they're about to play ball. There's like a team on each side and there's a, <laughs> the ship like a referee in the middle. Oh, yeah, I totally see what you mean. Yeah, I just picked... I, I did find like a website that had like the entire text of Brown's book with all of his pictures in it. Mm -hmm. And there were a whole bunch. I just picked one that I thought nice. had some good looking whales in it. Yeah, those are... They're perfectly cromulent whales. <laughs> oh. Um... Next, he says that of the right whale, the best outline pictures are in Scoresby. Yes, uh, of course, we've been talking quite a bit about Scoresby. Um, here is Scoresby's right whale. Um, uh, oh, okay. I, I will believe you that narwhal certainly looks much more real and like a narwhal as I understand them than anything we've seen so far. Uh, I think that part of what makes this whale look a little bit weird is that it's purposefully drawn with its mouth open to show, yeah, the, show baleen. the baleen. Yeah, um, it's got a big shovely mouth. And like, I, I believe that this is genuinely a generally accurate. It's just it looks very goofy. And uh, there's something about the, the arch of the back and the way the, the blowhole comes up that just makes it look like, uh, I don't know, injection molding? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, Maybe they do look like that. I, I've never actually seen a right whale, so. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen a right whale. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, now there's an... Well, like... there's also another Scoresby image that's worth oh, mentioning. Sure. Because he says that Scoresby has only one picture of whaling scenes. Ah, uh, yes. And I have also got that picture for you. Nice, um, nice. And this is a, one of those places where, like, it's very clear. Ishmael is okay with a, just an outline of a whale, but he really wants to see the whale action. He um, wants to see the... Okay, I've got to say, that boat is doing something truly impressive. It's just like, <laughs> it is being taken away. It is just being abducted by aliens, just levitating into the air upside down. Yes. I like the um the line ro unrolling around it, the whaling line. Yeah, yeah. Also, this image is titled, Dangers of the Whale Fishery. Well, I, I agree that being just mega flipped is probably a danger of the whale fishery. Yeah. Oh god. That that poor dude who's still in the boat. Oh my god, I know. He's he's dead. I mean, 
or he's on the ride of his life and just hanging on. Uh, also, both of the pictures I just showed are from uh, Scoresby's book, Arctic Regions, from 1820. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's basically his big book, like the main thing he published. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and moving on, the, uh, the best pictures of whales, like uh, Ishmael's favorite. Yeah, by the, one far the, will- the ones he's willing to endorse. By far the finest. Though in some details, not the most correct. Do you, uh, pick a lane, Ishmael! <laughs> uh, these are uh, engravings based on paintings by... Uh, he calls him Garnery. It's actually Ambrose Louis Garneret, like with an A in that last syllable. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, by the way, I think it is of some interest to note, um, these are not like super well-known images mm-hmm. outside of their being recorded in Moby Dick, so the best quality versions of them I was able to find actually are from PowerMobyDick.com. <laughs> As usual, we are sponsored by PowerMobyDick.com. Yes, we really are. Um, by sponsored, I mean they're just a really useful website. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of the opposite, because I've given them money, because I bought, <laughs> I bought the mug. Oh, right, you did buy the PowerMobyDick mug. I sure did. Good it's mug. a good mug. Um, anyway, so here's the first Oh, wow, they have color. Etching. Yeah. They have color. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's I think it's an aqua tint, which is a form of colored engraving. I um, like the color. I like the um I gotta say that whale just feels like a just like a steam engine hammering forward. It's very smooth. Uh it's got a huge mouth and that, that boat breaking over it looks very cool. Yeah, I think it's also of interest to like read Ishmael's description of this because it's very uh compelling. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I don't know. Do you want to sure. read some of this? In the first engraving, a noble sperm whale is depicted in full majesty of might, just risen beneath the boat from the profundities of the ocean and bearing high in the air upon his back the terrific wreck of the stoven planks. The prow of the boat is partially unbroken and is drawn just balancing upon the monster's spine. And standing in that prow, for that one single incomputable flash of time, you behold an oarsman, half shrouded by the incensed boiling spout of the whale, and in the act of leaping as if from a precipice. The action of the whole thing is wonderfully good and true. Yeah. So and like he, you... he goes on to describe it in further detail, but that basic, like, that basic description is is pretty much, I'd say, accurate. The action of it, I don't know if I'd call it true. That whale feels, like, weirdly solid and just present, but maybe that's intentional. Maybe yeah. he believes that to be more true. I think that's, I think that's what Ishmael likes to see. Certainly, I, I think it's very clear that he looked at this image and he looked at this one oarsman who is, you know, partly behind the spout and was like, that guy's a hero. Uh, yeah there's a bunch of people leaping terrified into the water and the sperm whale looking all intense like i think there's like you can see a light flashing off its eye that little white dot yeah its eye is like just this little white dot it's like half lidded yeah it's intense yeah no this when he says monster he really means it the whale is being presented as just a a terrifying being yes um (sighs) But yeah, this is, um, yeah, he in fact says serious fault might be found with the anatomical details of this whale, but let that pass, since for the life of me, I could not draw so good a one. Which is just hilarious that, like, he's, at in the final moment, Ishmael is willing to admit, you know, I couldn't draw a better whale than this. <laughs> and it's like, uh, but every other picture doesn't get that consideration. Of course not, because those pictures aren't, like, super cool and metal, Mark. <laughs> Ah, uh, but the, um, 
uh, I think that that is the one that I think is, yes, uh, sort of reproduced in a woodcut based on it from the description in the copy of Moby Dick I have. Yeah, that, that seems... Like, here's the guy jumping from the uh, whale. We should post this one as yeah, well. Yeah, we definitely it? will. Yeah, I'm... I. Hmm. There's a guy jumping from the boat. He's not boiled within the spout, but you can see him and even this little uh, silhouette in the water near him, and you can see other people coming in to try and spear it. I, I wonder if that might actually be meant to be the second engraving. Hmm. Um, well, I'll, I'll show you the second engraving and let's get your opinion on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the second engraving is... Uh, again, this is a... This is from... This is by Garneray. And... Is it an engraving, not a painting? Well, it's an engraving based on a painting. Ah, oh, got it. Um, and the best image I found was from PowerMobyDick.com. Um, and, oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, so this one, uh, this one, like the um, woodcut in your book, doesn't actually show a boat being, like, stove upon the whale. It shows well, a there boat... there is a boat being stove upon the whale. Well, the... Maybe that would I think cut... this is like a combination of the two Garnerays. Yeah, it might be. Because that guy is definitely the man leaping from the uh, from the whale boat as it is broken upon the whale. And yes. this is definitely the boat coming up to the side and harpooning the whale, which appears in the second woodcut. So yes, I think it's a combination of the two Garneray engravings into a single image. Yes, I think you are right. I think that's what's going on with this woodcut. Which is very interesting. Yeah, it's wild. And, like, it's very much... Like, on some level, I almost like that because it maintains this effect of Ishmael explaining carvings and, like, engravings and pictures to us that we do not see. Because we still don't see it here. We don't even see some kind of reproduction or facsimile. We see, like, the general impression that these together would give. Yeah, like, I am glad that I went and researched all of these images and was able to go and look at them. But it's clear that, like... You know, uh, Melville and Ishmael did not reasonably expect that someone who was reading this book would actually have all these images to hand, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, which definitely plays into the whole, like... Unknowability of the whale? Exactly, yeah. Um, it cannot be pictured, and even when it is pictured, you're only getting it in words. Yes. Uh, there's, there's a vague sense, and I'm interested in sort of ferreting this out throughout the rest of the book, about the difference between the efficacy of words and the efficacy of images. Um, because, you know, he is describing a bunch of paintings to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, but anyways, the, uh, the, second, the second image is, you know, uh, it's nice. It's a right whale getting uh, harpooned. Mm -hmm. um, he notes that the, uh, there's like little details like the, um, uh, the like seabirds and crabs and things that are apparently common upon a right whale's back. Yeah. Um, there's also in the background a captured whale, a, um, a fast fish, I believe we will later learn it is called, uh, being, um, or have we already learned that? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know okay. what that is. So. A fast fish being, uh, uh, a whale that's been captured being processed for, um, for oil from its blubber. You can see the smoke coming off the huge whaling sloop in the background. Yeah. Ishmael admires, like, uh, the artistic contrast between, um, the, the, like, action and like the frothed up waves in the foreground and the sort of placidity of the the ship itself in the background yeah um, the the very clear clean uh almost uh almost still water of the actual surrounding ocean and then the waves around the whale that it's thrashing has raised up yes um. 
Uh, and I think the way that he talks about both of these engravings makes it pretty clear that uh, Ishmael thinks about, like, the drama and the action of whaling mm-hmm. as being, like, Perhaps the most important thing that these pictures of whales can actually communicate. Yeah, if you can't communicate the nature of the whale, you can communicate the experience of the whale. The experience of whaling. Yes. Which makes all of his anatomical fussiness uh, very funny. Yes. Uh, But yeah, he goes on to say that, you know, um, whoever Garnery the painter is or was, I know not. Um, But he's certain that Garnery must have known something about whaling and about whales. Uh, He also says, the French are the lads for painting action. Yes, uh, just sort of making a general statement about, like, French paintings, full of that, like, good shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, you know, um, uh, talking about, uh, you know, wars and depictions of wars and paintings of, you know, battles and emperors. And uh, he describes it as, where every sword seems a flash of the northern lights and the successive armed kings and emperors dash by like a charge of crowned centaurs. He also capitalizes emperor, but not king. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Maybe he considers emperor a, um, more of a proper noun? I, I guess. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he also points out that they have not one-tenth of England's experience in the fishery, and not one-thousand part of that of the Americans, yet have nevertheless produced the only good works of, like, images of whaling. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, he, and he's definitely underlining here the distinction between uh, accurately depicting, like, the visual objects of whaling and, like, getting across the sense of what, like, pursuing a whale mm. is like. Uh, because he, you know, he criticizes Scoresby here, who, like, obviously, he has plenty of reason to praise. He describes him as the justly renowned right whaleman. Uh, but uh, says that, like, you know, he gives, uh, after giving us a stiff full length of the Greenland whale, and three or four delicate miniatures of narwhales and porpoises, treats us to a series of classical engravings of boat hooks, chopping knives, and grapnels, and with the microscopic diligence of a Lavenhook, submits to the inspection of a shivering world 96 facsimiles of magnified Arctic snow crystals. Uh, I mean no disparagement to the excellent Voyager. I honor him for a veteran. But in so important a matter, it was certainly an oversight not to have procured for every crystal a sworn affidavit taken before a Greenland justice of the peace. Yeah, he's he's very much taking the piss here. Yeah, like, he is basically saying, like, there is way too much attention to, like, you know, fiddly details and, like, scrupulous accuracy and not enough actual depiction of whales and whaling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's definitely, like, uh, he's sort of pre- presenting the idea that, oh, yeah, the French don't whale, but they have, like, a picturesque and artistic soul that can capture whaling. By the uh, way, here yeah, are some yeah. of Scoresby's boat hooks. Yep. Is that a, is that a harpoon gun? I believe it may be. I don't know for sure. I wasn't able to find, like, mm. citations that actually described what each of the images yeah, were looking at Yeah, that definitely looks is. like a big matchlock gun without much of a barrel. Uh, it might well be a harpoon gun, which I guess, like, a cannon, effectively. Um, but yeah, also some harpoons, some hooks, some, some things that would clearly be really unpleasant putting them in a person, but I can't tell what they're for. Yeah, just, just a bunch of, just a bunch of whaling tools. Um, yep, yep. And uh, here are Scoresby's snow crystals. Ah. Um, well, that's pretty. 
Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, no, you know, are... like, the thing is, I get Ishmael's point here, but, like, I think that uh, a careful reproduction <sighs> of, like, microscopic snow crystals is a fairly impressive scientific feat, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. But you can just imagine Ishmael flipping through this book and being like, oh, my God, you're, I can't believe this. A whole plate of snow crystals? Where are the whales? <laughs> I don't see any whales in this ice. <laughs> What's even the point of it, then? Yes. Ah, we're getting near the end of our list of uh, engravers and general depictors of whales. Yeah, so there are, there are two images left, uh, both by the same artist. Uh, these, again, are engravings taken from paintings. Um, and they're by, Ishmael described him as H. Durand. Uh, the full name of the painter is Jean-Baptiste Henri Durand Braguet. Or Braguet, I don't know if I pronounced that right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um... Here are these, uh, I think these ones I also could only find uh, through PowerMobyDick.com. And these are like not great yeah, copies, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but so it goes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a perfectly fine general impression of it. Yeah, so these are not actually whaling scenes. These are just marine paintings. Of whalers. Yeah, of whalers. Um, like, this is, a, this is a French whaler anchored uh, in a calm and just sort of sitting there in the water. I love pictures of ships. This is a very peaceful picture of ship. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I'm, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not disagreeing with Ishmael's point that this is, like, a good picture of a whaler that gives you some sense of, like... The a, calmer moments. Yes, exactly. Ah... Um, <sighs> And the other engraving is quite a different affair, as Ishmael puts it. Yes. I'm very excited. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what you make of this. It's not, it's just, it, mm. as you can see, this image that I have is just not a great reproduction. It's like, yeah. it is hard to see what's actually going on here. Um, yeah, yeah. I can sort of see the whale, but barely. Yeah. What's happening here is that uh, there's a ship hove to upon the open sea, and in the very heart of the Leviathanic life, with a right whale alongside. So there's like a ship and there's a boat and there's a whale coming between the ship and the boat. Yeah. They're very clearly in pursuit. Yes. Um. Uh, he's very excited about the um, the harpooners on the boat and how they're prepared to launch harpoons. Um, and uh, how the craft is standing like 45 degrees along the crest of a wave. So it looks like a rearing horse. And he just he thinks it's very heroic. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's all our images of whales that are that are uh, in um, that are both monstrous and uh, less erroneous. Yeah. So now we're on to chapter fifty-seven of whales in teeth, in wood, in sheet iron, in stone, in mountains, in stars. Uh, and for this chapter, there's no specific citations of specific pieces of art, so I haven't pulled any of those up for Ben's benefit right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I will try to get, because uh, he talks about, like... Um, examples. Yeah, of, of examples of different places that you might see a depiction of the whale. Um, and, you know, I will try to get some examples of those yep, uh, yep. for our listeners. He has, his first example is a... Um, I a, guess this actually is essentially a specific sighted image of a whale. It's just not one that I would be able to track down. Yeah, because it's specifically a whaleman who lost a leg and now is... Um, is begging in uh, um, in London, holding a painted board representing the scene of Wales and battle in which he lost his leg. 
Yeah. Uh, and and uh, according to Ishmael, this man has been holding up this pi- this picture and begging that way for ten years. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ishmael says that his three painted whales are as good as uh, basically any done in London, I think, more or less. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, also he makes some really bad taste puns. Yes, about like the man being on a stump. And the idea of a stump speech. And yes, like... uh, uh, his stump is un- as unquestionable a stump as you will find in the western clearings. But though forever mounted on that stump, never a stump speech does the poor whaleman make. But with downcast eyes, stands ruefully contemplating his own amputation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like, Ishmael, you could have been a, a little nicer about that. Just because you thought of a pun didn't mean you had to make it. Yeah. Um... Uh, and uh, the next example of images of whales that he brings up is uh, scrimshaw images of whales. Yep. Uh, which is to say, um, whales engraved on whales on whalebone. So whales in whales. Yes. Um, and uh, these are things that, um, you know, whalers are just like constantly making. Yep, yep. Uh, during, during moments of idleness. He talks about this as like just sort of a you know, a thing that they have many tools for that they just go to. And he sort of connects it to this idea of, you know, um, I mean, as he puts it, what is called savagery, like, you know, being away from Christian society, as yeah. Ishmael is often concerned with. Yeah, it's it's an interesting, so he, he kind of goes into this idea that, like, um, that basically intricacy of design is a quality of quote-unquote savagery yeah or like Um, primitive or more natural life like being away from civilization means going in for intricacy of design and like i think the simpler answer is if you have one thing and you're just messing around with it and you're like working on it it's gonna get really complicated if you've got you know a piece of scrimshaw and you're just working at it for years away at sea you're gonna do that and similarly if you you know are going to be his example of like um uh, I think he used an example of, like, a Hawaiian uh, paddle, like, that he claims he's seen that's very, like, intricately engraved with nets and patterns. It's like, well, if you're using that paddle a lot and you want it to look nice, yeah, it's going to end up looking like that. Yeah, and I, I think it is of interest, you know, um, obviously, as always, when Ishmael, when Melville speaks of savagery, this is, this is, kind of racist yeah uh, but he really is at pains here i think to make it clear that first of all this is just like admirable artistry yes uh and second of all that this is despite the fact that he's continuously using the word savage this is actually something that is like universal to mankind yes um, and uh his, his what he means by savage is as usual non-christian like he means right. it pagan because he also uses the example of the Greek savage who made Achilles' shield. And the shield of Achilles is uh, in, I want to say, the I think it was described in the Odyssey, but then shows up again in other places, is supposed to be so dis- so elaborately wrought and so divinely wrought that the entire world is visible in its figures. Yes. It's like one of the examples of the sort of ultimate in artistry and detail in like the Western literary canon. And he also he also compares uh, sailors, uh, you know, Scrimshaw to uh, the Prince of Albert Durer or Albrecht Durer, he described as the Prince of that fine old Dutch savage. Uh, and like in that case, actually, he is not. I mean, Durer is Isn't 
Christian. Christian, yeah. He's so a- I, I think in this case, he is basically claiming that, like, attention to detail, like, artistic detail is a savage quality, yeah, I, no matter where it be found. Yeah, it's very interesting. He also states that it is his... That, like, um, an ancient Hawaiian war club or spear paddle in its full multiplicity and elaboration of carving is as great a trophy of human perseverance as a Latin lexicon. Like, it's... And, you know, the idea is that it has cost steady years of steady application. I think it's almost like the idea that... You know what this is? What? Monomania. A little bit, yeah. It's the idea of focus and obsession and just taking years and years of work to elaborately uh, work this particular thing, to just layer detail into it. So the way in which he's, the connection he's actually making is to Ahab and to Ahab's obsession. Like the idea here is that there is a kind of obsession in art that he's directly connecting to this idea of savagery, of the pagan, of the you know, of some kind of natural urge in humanity that normal civilization quells. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think also that uh, one thing that connects up with what you're suggesting is, um, you know, in in the part of this where he's basically establishing that uh, any any whaler is a savage. Specifically uh, says, uh, and, you know, apologies to everyone, as much a savage as an Iroquois. Yeah. Um, but the part that I wanted to quote is, I myself am a savage, owing no allegiance but to the king of the cannibals, and ready at any moment to rebel against him. Uh, so first of all, like... That's a lot. Who's the king of the cannibals Yeah, my, my first reaction to this, to be honest, when reading was like, no, Queequeg is your boyfriend. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but, like, what he's actually communicating here, I think, is some sort of idea of, like, a person without, uh, you know... Without bonds to society, mm. right? So, like, no allegiance to anything. Uh, like, you know, only an allegiance to a, a like... Figure of greater force and uh, energy. Right, and ready at any moment to rebel against him. And so I think maybe part of what's being suggested here is that the immense, like, focus and dedication of uh, Scrimshaw, of Achilles' shield, of an ancient Hawaiian war club... Is, and of Albrecht Durer. And of Albrecht Durer is like sort of a, a, a an attention to a specific aim that like bows to nothing else. Mm, that it's it's somehow uh, antisocial or in in conflict with the basic idea of the social. Yeah, yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, no, um, I think I don't think you're wrong. I think that there is. This sense, and he also says that, you know, long exile from Christendom and civilization inevitably restores a man to that condition in which God placed him, i.e. what is called savagery. So it's very clearly like a natural and inherent thing. It's the state of nature, which is, you know, better than Hobbes, the state of, having the state of nature be, and then I obsessed over making a very pretty object that, like, took me years. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's a lot. Yeah, it really is. Like, I, you know, I'm glad we've managed to, like, find the interesting thematic content here. It is always, like, a oof, little exhausting oof. when we've got to really dig into the weird shit Ishmael is saying about race. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't disagree. It's it's always sort of like, oh, buddy, you're trying, but this <laughs> is not the way. Y- yes. Uh, but, you know, he is saying fascinating and interesting Ishmael things once you get past the language and context and racism he is using to say it yes um anyway i think oh. we have uh, pretty yep. much plumbed those depths so moving along uh the next 
kind of images of whales that he mentions is uh, wooden whales. Um, uh, which are, you know, just carved out of uh, various South Sea woods. This sounds like it's in the ba- same basic class as Scrimshaw. Yeah, this is something that sailors make while they're at sea. Yep, yep. Um, uh, and there are also uh, door knockers and weather vanes that are shaped like whales. Yep, yep. Uh, he notes that they're on uh, old houses and old churches. You'll find these things. Although, I think, again, giving this sense that like the depiction of the whale is primal. Like, mm. I'm certain that door knockers in the shape of whales are still manufactured. Yeah, um, like, I'm probably. sure you could still get them. But he's clear that it's, you know, uh, at some old uh, gable-roofed country houses, you will see brass whales hung by the tail for knockers to the roadside door. And uh, there's a dumb pun about how the anvil-headed whale is best for a loud knock. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also notes that it's old-fashioned churches that will have sheet iron whales for weathercocks. Um, but... He uh, can't get close enough to them because he'd have to climb a church, and also people don't like you climbing their church. Yeah. So he can't decide if they're good whales. Mm-hmm. And then you have the first of uh, whales not wrought by human hands. Yes. Uh, I, 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 one, if you're being nice to Ishmael, you could call these natural depictions of whales, and if you're being critical, I think you would call them like... Well, the first one isn't quite that. The first one is fossil whales. Oh, is that what he's talking about? In bony, ribby regions of the earth, where at the base of high, broken cliffs, masses of rock lie strewn in fantastic groupings upon the plain, you will often discover images as of the petrified forms of the Leviathan partly merged in grass, which of a windy day breaks against them in a surf for green surges. So I think you're not... I don't think it's only fossilized whales, but one thing they are discovering at this time is, like, fossils, especially in cliffs, like, um... On the voyage of the Beagle, uh, Darwin writes about uh, seeing on South American cliffs visible from the Beagle, which was doing a survey of the coast, so it had to go pretty closely along it. Um, you could see like fossil fossils like in the rock in okay. the cliff, and so this was this was a period when paleontology, when uh, the discovery of fossilized bones and the discussion of them was a pretty big deal in the scientific spaces. Like, the El- the Baron Cuvier was all about the fossils. Okay, yeah. I, I interpreted this as suggesting, in the same way that the next couple of examples do, just the idea of, like, broken up rocks along the bases of cliffs that suggest by their shape and, like, how they have fallen to the ground yeah. suggest the profile of a whale. Yeah, I think that he's sort of merging the two because he talks about just, like, stones pushing up out of the grass that look like the backs of whales but he's also implying fossils and i think that the like the petrified forms of the leviathan and i think that that combination is an intentional sort of way of getting you sloped into the question of okay which of these are really whales and which of them are uh ishmael having whale periodelia yes yeah like i i think it's it is like periodelia To get really specifically into the language here, he does say images as of the petrified forms of the Leviathan. So he's not saying... So we... They did not yet know what caused fossils to form at this time. Ah. Uh, It's... So I think it is... That is at the very least an ambiguity you'd have to look at Ishmael and Melville's understanding of fossilization at the time. Because, for example, there's a very popular theory that fossils were images that were not the actual petrified form, but rather a kind of impression of it upon the rock. Huh, all right. Yeah, no, there, there's a bunch of weird stuff, because uh, basically the chemical process by which fossilization could occur wasn't at all understood, and some people are like, 
Are you, you're saying that it's more reasonable that an animal just turned to stone than that the stone was in somehow receptive to images of the animal reflecting off the sun or something and that it got burned into it. Yeah, you know, I can tot- I can absolutely see like the line of thought yeah. whereby actual fossilization seems less plausible than what yeah, you're Yeah, no, it's and especially because there was also a series of there's things like impression fossils. There's more than one kind of fossil, some of which are more like an image or a an impression than like just bones that fossilize that petrify. So there's a number of different ways in which fossils can form and try to explain that mixture of things without having the first idea of how the process would actually occur. That's a whole thing. Yeah. And then uh, there was also, I can't remember when this was, so it may or may or not have already been discovered to be a hoax or even have occurred, but there was a series of uh, fossil hoaxes that involved people producing what were supposed to be modern fossils. That is to say, the conditions under which fossil impressions could be received by a stone had occurred. And this was actually obviously like etchings, basically, into rock being put down in a quarry, and then someone comes and goes, Oh my god, I found fossils! I'll sell them for lots of money! Do you remember anything about, no, like, I anything I could Google what... about this? Cause... No, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the uh, of this fossil hoax. Okay, well that's alright. Um... <sighs> in any case, that's uh, that's sort of the, the cutting edge of the... Of Whales that were once whales and whales that were never whales, or perhaps are in a more important way whales. Yeah, because um, the next example, this is truly, uh, this is a whale that it is not based on the natural form of any whale and was not wrought by any human hand. Yes. Um, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to read it. Read a ch- ch- yeah, yeah. this, yeah. Um, then again, in mountainous countries where the traveler is continually girdled by amphitheatrical heights, here and there, from some lucky point of view, you will catch passing glimpses of the profiles of whales defined along the undulating ridges. But you must be a thorough whaleman to see these sights. Uh, so he you is, have to have a mind poisoned by the whale. Basically, he is saying that if you are whale informed, then sometimes when you're walking around in the mountains and you look at like the profiles of mountain ridges, they might look like whales to you. Yeah, and like, but he's implying that these are whales that are present. He's saying you have now unlocked the true shape of whale within things. Now that you know to look for it, it is everywhere. Yeah, um, and his 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 comparison point to the fact that it would be extremely difficult to see the same thing again. Um, you know, he says if if you if you wanted to see the same whale again, you would have to go back to the exact same precise point, uh, and. Uh, that would take a lot of effort. And and it's very unlikely that you'd be able to just, like, find there again. But mm-hmm. this is like the Solomon Islands, uh, which he describes as, like, and I'm, I don't actually know uh, if this was exactly true to the area, but uh, or true to the period. But he says, the Solomon Islands, which still remain incognita, though once high-ruffed Mandana trode them and old Figuera chron- chronicled them. So those are two uh, different, uh, one of them is a navigator who went to the Solomon Islands, and the other is a writer who wrote about that voyage. And so he's basically saying, like, okay, we know the Solomon Islands have been visited by Europeans, uh, but we still don't have them on maps. So we know they exist, but we just don't know where they are. Um, that seems to be his opinion about these whales. If you don't know where, you might not know where they are or how to see them, but they're there. Yes. Uh, and then... Uh, even going further, when expandingly lifted by your subject, which is to say when your whale obsession has reached Ishmael's level. Mm-hmm. Like, 
how much whale obsession are you on, dude? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to just, like, read uh, the next rest sure. of the sentence? Nor when expandingly lifted by your subject can you fail to trace out great whales in the starry heavens and boats in pursuit of them, as when, long filled with thoughts of war, the eastern nations saw armies locked in battle among the clouds. Thus at the north have I chased Leviathan round and round the pole with the revolutions of the bright points that first defined him to me. And beneath the effulgent Antarctic skies, I've boarded the Argo Navis, and joined the chase against the starry Satis, far beyond the utmost stretch of Hydrus and the flying fish. With a frigate's anchors for my bridle bits, and fashies of harpoons for spurs, would I could mount that whale and leap the topmost skies, to see whether the fabled heavens with all their countless tents really lie encamped beyond my mortal sight. So, so yeah. So Ishmael just sees whale constellations everywhere he goes. Yeah, he's just constant. The when he is t- when he turns to look at the constellations. I mean, Cetus is, I believe, an actual like yeah, so whale constellation. When he's talking about an Arctic skies, he is actually listing several real constellations of the of the southern hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. So the Argo Navis is. Uh, PowerMobyDick.com calls it an archaic constellation that represents the ship used by Jason of Greek mythology. So the, the Argo. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Cetus, Hydrus, and uh, the flying fish, which is known as Volans. Those are all real constellations. Yeah. So he's interpreting the entire, like, zodiacal space, or at the very least, the I think mostly the, like, I guess, southern circumpolar constellations. The constellations that circle around the, the southern pole of the sky but never set as... Uh, I mean, I don't know. Actually, know if Cetus is a circumpolar con- uh, yeah, constellation. Yeah, I'm just gonna check whether yeah, yeah. where these um, constellations actually. I'm certain are. they're all the uh, southern. They're all in the southern skies, um, or maybe not. They might still be visible. Um, they might not be deep enough in the southern skies to be part of the set of constellations Europeans named after scientific instruments, <laughs> which is like a bunch of the southern uh, European constellations are very like. Oh, it's the age of discovery. Oh, I've discovered new constellations, and we'll name them after my astrolabe. Yeah. Uh... But, uh, so yeah, he see, but he sees whales in the stars constantly, and he, like, feels this urge to follow them up. I love that image of riding the stellar whale, lashing it with harpoons for, uh, for spurs in, like, bundles. Yeah, so Argo Navis is, or rather was, uh, a southern constellation. It was... Uh, it seems that uh, the early modern astronomers who named it kind of uh, bit off more than they could chew in terms of defining a constellation, uh, <laughs> and it has now been split up into three constellations. Wow, yeah, they got <laughs> greedy. Um, uh, but yeah, I think Cetus is not a southern constellation. Well, it could be in the southern sky without being a southern constellation. Well, no, no, but but it, it, it is not like a specifically, it is not one that he could only see in the yes. Antarctic. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, cool. Uh, oh, Hydrus is in the deep southern sky. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think he is he is generally uh, adventuring in the effulgent Antarctic skies, as he suggests. Yes. So yeah, that's, um, that's the images of whales and stars. And I like how he goes from human wrought images to fossils and like, you know, um, and like stone images, stone shapes that look like whales, all the way up to just entirely projection, but he treats it as like this fundamental cosmic force. Once you know that there are whales there, there are whales there. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, I mentioned earlier that I think there is a kind of like ascending 
uh, sort of that these these chapters go in like ascending order of Ishmael's uh, sort of the amount of credit that he gives to these images of whales. Um, And I think that that is true, even of the the parts of this chapter which are not like I think that Ishmael considers an image of a whale in Scrimshaw to be superior even to the best actual painting of a whaling scene. Yeah, I, d- I don't think that's wrong. He certainly has much less negative to say about them. And he, he frames it entirely as, like, here is this, like, pure natural urge to capture the whale in its all its details uh, defined. You know, I gotta say, I think he has a lot of sympathy for it, because what is Moby Dick if not an immense, obsessive, elaborate, intricate attempt to describe a whale? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I think that, um... I think that on some level, like, what's going on here is that in the in the second chapter that we discussed today, uh, with, like, those engravings of whaling scenes that he describes at the end of the chapter, that is sort of the peak of, like, accuracy to whales and whaling that can be found in... On land. On, on land, yes. And, and sort of outside of the actual context of whaling. Um... And uh, and then in this chapter, the depictions of whales that he's talking about are basically the depictions of whales that are, in some sense, specific to whalers. Yes, so they're, like we're they're things produced by whalers and and like on Nantucket and so on. Yeah, like he doesn't he doesn't really the the the, the element in this chapter that maybe um, threatens my argument the most is the like the door knockers and but the, that's still. Those are almost certainly meant to be New England houses where the money was made by whaling. Yes, I think that is true. I think that that, that is sort of the implication. Um, and that's also, I think, part of his insistence on old. This is the established, like, trade. They are truly Nantucket. There's no fashion to it. Yes. Uh, and I also think, actually, that it is of interest uh, that these depictions of whales, especially, especially the, um, like, whales painted on the the board that the beggar is holding up are in a different category from the like uh pictures of whales painted on the signs outside of oil merchants Mm -hmm. um because like in in a sense the uh the the painted board um the uh you know uh one-legged old whale whaleman is holding up is not that different from the uh, oil seller's signs yeah, yeah. in that it is like a sort of, it is a whale scene painted, uh, you know, in paint on a piece of wood. To impress people with the danger of whaling. Exactly. But I think that for Ishmael it really matters that this is someone who was who was really there. Who, who lost is, a leg. And who is depicting something that really happened to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes that image, like, more true than... Anything. Simple mercantile concerns. Exactly. Yeah, no, he um he clearly he clearly thinks that the most important kinds of whale images are the ones wrought by whale ma- men and like surrounding them and almost like almost without purpose. They're just like like the way he presents a lot of these whaling things, like Scrimshaw, like um the door knockers and so on, is just like almost a whaleman surrounds himself with whales. Yeah. It's just how things go. And then, having surrounded himself with whales, he become he sees whales everywhere. Yeah. Until, of course, you reach Ishmael's uh, level of whale, and you just you look up at the sky and just see an endless teeming sea of whales and whalers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is this is definitely. Uh, 
I think it, it there is a very interesting contrast, um, an interesting contrast here uh, between, like, at the end of, I think it was 56, uh, uh, no, sorry, at the end of 55, he says that thing about how, like, well, it's really impossible to see a whale in any way other than going whaling, and you yeah. might die, so maybe don't be so eager to see whales. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a real contrast between the tone of that and the end of 57, where he's, like, reaching this sort of starry whale apotheosis. Yeah, no, he's he is enraptured by the by the sign and symbol of the whale, by its cosmic imp- importance and cosmic sort of penetration. And I think it's clear that this kind of like seeing whales in the stars is something that only happens to you if you have hunted the whale. Um, yeah, if you've been obsessed with it and endangered by it, and generally, um, I mean, do you think Ahab sees whales in constellations? I think Ahab sees one whale in constellations. <laughs> you know that. Yes, I think it is probably true that Ahab sees one whale, no matter what he's looking at. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it just, uh, I think it's, it's interesting that, like, Ishmael will make this claim about, like, oh, you know, maybe going whaling isn't really such a good thing, but then, like, he will, shortly after that, like, give us a real picture of his, like, raptures yes. that he experiences because of whaling. God, he's um. chased whales around both the North and South Poles, uh, you know, visually in the stars. I just realized that his first whale hunting thing was around the North Pole in Polaris, because uh, there isn't so much of a pole star to the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, and he's probably, in addition to having, like, seen whales in the stars at both poles, he probably was whaling at both poles. Yeah. No, I that... believe there is whaling in both of those places. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why he was there. Um there's certainly, there's like, I think there's North Sea whaling, and I think there's, you know, whaling in all of the South Seas, so yeah. In fact, I think his, um, I think their Pacific hunting ground might cross the equator, so theoretically he could do both in a single trip, but I might be remembering that wrong. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> yeah. Whales and stars. Yeah, um... Yeah, I really love this chapter. I know I say that about a lot of chapters, but I really love this chapter. I really love the the combination of Ishmael's intense, like, growing monomania f- that's framed within this, like, artistic and rapturous mode, and his, like, just endless listing of things. <laughs> uh, yeah, he does love to list things, doesn't he? Yep, yep. Huh. Well, whale. Uh... <laughs> I think we've... Yeah, I think we have uh, covered this. Um, I'm definitely very glad that we decided to uh, cut off uh, the two Yeah, I don't think chapters. we could have gotten through Brit and Squid. Yeah, so that will have to be next time. I'm looking forward to Squid. Squid's a good chapter. Oh, yeah. No, look, I'm no no shade on Brit and Squid. I just, uh, I did not want us to bite off more than we could chew for this episode. And... But they don't chew. They have baleen. Ugh. <laughs> All right, let's let's end this goddamn podcast. What tune is it you pull to, man? A dead whale or a stove boat?